Dee Dee Moonflyer here. Welcome to the Twilight Tonic Podcast. As always, I have a freshly brewed batch of the strange and unusual to share with you. So grab your favorite tonic, step inside the broom closet, and let's get started. Tonight on Twilight Tonic, as always, I have the most amazing guest, and tonight I have a lovely lady on here that's been doing mediumship for about 20 years, but she does it in a very unique way. She's a spirit communicator, and she does it through her artwork. Please welcome Angela Boley. How are you tonight? Doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Angela, can you tell me why and how? Has even got started? Well, I died and I came back with abilities. I was actually sent back. And wow. just to give you a brief overview over that, when I was about five years old, I accidentally overdosed on aspirin, mistaking it for candy mm-hmm. and bleeding through the stomach because it does cause stomach bleeding. If you have too much, it will thin out your blood. And I was taken to the emergency room, was vomiting blood. And the emergency room physician said in the nurse that I needed blood right away or I was going to die. The nurse left to check on blood supply. She came back, said there wasn't any blood left and there wasn't any hope for me. Oh, my. And I continued to vomit blood. I went into shock. And the emergency room physician, he laid me down to the table and put a blanket over my face. I had no idea why he was doing that. I also heard a phone call, and then he went over to my parents, and I heard him say to my parents that he called the county coroner to come get me, and they didn't have anybody this young in their ER die. And he said he didn't know when the coroner was going to come. It could be a you know minutes, could be hours, mm-hmm. could be. And while I was under the blanket, I noticed that I could see after a while because I actually had the sensation of going through a tunnel and I could see a tunnel like I was traveling through a tunnel and it looked like there mm-hmm. were cobwebs right but after that I saw the sunlight the sunbeam of light shining through the ceiling which I thought is not possible mm-hmm. but I as soon as I saw it I actually drifted up the sunbeam and headed towards a bright light and I could actually see all the other patients all the other floors 
And I went towards this very bright light and I could see the roof of the hospital under my feet. And I wondered if I was heading towards the sun and I look at the sun, the sun looked dim compared to the light I'm heading towards. I wonder what is this light? And then I merged with this light and I'm floating in it. And then this light, when I merged with it, it was this great consciousness that is the greatest consciousness that you could ever imagine. It's the source of all reason, the source of everything that's good, source of all joy, source of all creation, everything. And so much love and joy in that. And the voice out of that light said, your body is made out of small structures named cells. I'm repairing every single one of them and I'm sending you right back. And I actually did the reverse. I came down through the sunbeam, through the ceiling of the, you know, through the roof of the ceiling of the hospital and saw myself laying on the table. And this startled me because I did not recognize that my body was separate from me, but there it was laying there on a table under a blanket mm-hmm. and lined up with my body. And then that same voice said, get up, get up, get up. And on the third time he said, get up, I leaped off the table. And the doctor and my parents, everybody looked shocked. I didn't understand why. Doctor asked permission to re-examine me. And he said, not only is she fully recovered, but she's also healthier than the average child in her age group. And this completely confounded him. But when I got home, that's when I started seeing the spirits that were in our house. I could see all, feel people's thoughts. And started to have psychic dreams, uh, visions of the future. Uh, later on, as an adult, you know, this continued to happen to me. And I got involved with the paranormal group. And I started to paint what the spirits looked like and what they were communicating to me. Even before I was going to knew I was going to a location, the spirits would come to me and show me themselves and give them their information. Mm-hmm. And then when I was on location, and I would show them the portrait that I did. The people there would be like, yes, I seen this person. This is exactly what, what I see. So everything would get validated when I show up there. So I continued to start doing that and got better, better communications for the spirits. I did aura portraits for a while, moved to that to just doing um, spirits, portraits of spirits around people mm-hmm. and. The more I did it, the more detailed, the more information and more spirits would come. And I only not only communicate with angels, but also I get past lives and also lower the lower vibration kinds the demonic those entities as well. Uh, so the whole range of spirit entities, including animal guides, uh, mm-hmm. spirit angels, uh, just about everything. Wow. Now, when you say lower vibration, do they actually, do they ask you to do this or do you just see them and you do it? Or Both. Okay. Uh, there's one that attacked me and I did his portrait because he didn't win, obviously. He didn't overcome. <laughs> uh, so I did his portrait and he's, you could see him on my Facebook page and he, I know his name. I know what he's looked like and I showed him to another paranormal investigator he said yes i know exactly who you're talking about i recognize him this is kind of his territory and when i took this painting to psychic fairs or you know different or what they call non-cons paranormal mm-hmm. events or shows and people would look at that and say yes i've encountered that same type of being 
it's like that's a that's what they look like. They're very similar, and they are these type of beings. This type of demonic entity is always around children that have either at risk of being abused or were as were abused as children, and now they're adults and they're still wrestling with that trauma. And they mm-hmm. like to show up and feed off that trauma. They, they, I think it's a class of entity, a class of demonic that feeds off of that. Right. I, I've heard that before, that they'll latch on to, like you said, people that have been abused are addicts, even. Mm-hmm. Yes. That these people latch on, these entities latch on to them. Are these entities, are they, can they be gotten rid of? For these people, uh, for myself, when because I was actually helping um, people that were doing my work, helping children or helping and survivors and that dealing with that abuse to get rid of some of these entities, and that's when I was attacked by one of them, and mm-hmm. I was attacked. I was punched from under my bed. I was laying right awake in bed, and I'm like, I'm getting ready to go to bed. I'm just sitting in bed. I'm going to read a book, and then I got punched from under my bed. Mm-hmm. Then my bed was picked up. My bed was picked up and dropped three times with me in it. Oh. And then I was punched in the ribs. Like I, I've been doing martial arts for a, a few years at that point. I know what it likes to get a really hard punch in the ribs. And that's mm-hmm. exactly when I I bruised ribs for three or four months. My ribs were hurting. And it was hissing really loudly in my room and suddenly like, you know, the biggest cat in the world hissing mm-hmm. and grabbing. And I just said the Hail Mary. And when I said the Hail Mary, for the grace from the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women, and blessed are fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Please intercede for me. I need your help now. And there was a feminine presence. I could feel a different presence come under room and come in behind me and stand in opposition of this thing. And she says something, but it was more like not a word, but more like nuh-uh or uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And I could feel that thing rush out. I just feel it rush out of the room. And it continued to try to attack me in my dreams. I know it by name. I it had it been it been attacking me for several days, but this was like the most intense of its attacks. Mm-hmm. And it I showed up in the dream and it tried to drag me off and tried to convince me it was gonna drag me to hell. And I looked at it and I said, No, you're a loser. You're always been a loser. You cannot. I denied that truth. You are a loser. You always will be a loser. Every time I called him loser, he got weaker and weaker and weaker, and then he had to leave. Mm. And you know, confronting him with that ultimate truth, like ultimately what's what he is. He's fallen. He's imperfect. He's a loser. He can't win against the divine or love or the right. heavenly being. Win divine. Uh, and after that, after he left, there was another entity that came after him that was dressed like in a business attire, but okay. had a head like a head like a bull, uh-huh. uh, red skin, and he was trying to negotiate with me. If you just stop your praying, we'll set you up really easy and nice with a good life and an easy job and lots of money. And I no, like no, I'm not <laughs> negotiating. <laughs> No, <laughs> um, I, and I've, I did some little research in demonology later. This being that came in after him looks very similar to an entity that's called the Secretary of Hell. 
and he mm-hmm. handles all the false communications. That was, that was interesting. That was fascinating to me. Wow. I wouldn't know what to say if I saw that in my room. I think I'd be like, you have to leave now, please. (laughs) (laughs) That would be very uncomfortable. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now, out of curiosity, are you Catholic? Is that correct? Yes, I am Roman Catholic. Okay. I was raised Catholic, so that's why I was wondering when I heard you say Hail Mary. I was like, is she Catholic? She's got to be Catholic. Yes. That's amazing. And. Now, you also see animals. Is that correct as well? Yes. Yes. Animals Animals that have passed over. Animals that have passed over and also animals who are acting as spirit guides. Okay. Ooh, tell me more about that. I love anyone that knows me. I love animals. I have five animals. Uh, Every animal that I've had as a pet has passed, has come back and visited me in some Mm -hmm. form. I had, for example, had finches. And one of my favorite finch was a finch named Archimedes. And he was a he's one of those little zebra finches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like those. He passed on and you now we were together for a long time and we were really close. And one day I was in the bathroom getting ready to brush my teeth and I had my hand palm facing up. I was going to reach, you know, under my mirror to to open up the cabinet to get my toothbrush and everything out. Mm-hmm. And I just felt this presence suddenly, like a loving presence, and a feather appeared out of thin air in my hand. Oh. And it, it didn't fall from the ceiling or anything. It just mm-hmm. appeared in my hand. This materialized. And I knew it was him. And I felt this such loving presence. I knew it was um, Archimedes. And I said, thank you so much. And he says, no, thank you. It was what the sentiment that he was expressing. Oh. And I thank you so much. And he says, I'm, I'm going to move on now. And I said, thank you. And he said goodbye. And, he, and then the feather just disappeared. And then the presence was gone. Oh, I, I have a, a huge affection for birds. I don't know if you hear mine in the background. Yes, I hear. <laughs> I have two. I have Maggie, my Amazon. And I also have Freya, my cockatiel. And they both talk and carry on. And Maggie's my loud one. She's usually beside me, but for some reason, she's being honorary tonight. <laughs> but it's, it's really amazing. Animals, what they do for you. I know like when I'm down, um, even if I'm crying or anything, my parrots will tell me that they love me. Oh, how sweet. And then I always feel the presence of all of the animals I had. I rescue animals, so... You know, some of them come back, like you said, periodically and visit. Yes. So that and always is comforting. Exactly. And I have spirit guides. I mean, when I, one of my earliest memory of a spirit guide was not an angel, but of mm-hmm. a spirit animal. Who, and the spirit animal was this golden eagle. I kept dreaming about this golden eagle. And he would talk to me and help me through some hard times in my life. He was always there. And his, and I would dream of him, and it'd be so vivid, surreal. It's like it's I know I'm not in my body; I'm in somewhere else, some other realm, experiencing this, this what essentially is an angelic being in an animal form. Mm-hmm. He would 
for example, in the earliest dreams I had of him, I, there was just so much chaos in my life. And he showed me this chaos as a great rolling tornado. And he was soaring around the outside of it. And he was telling me, you know, to take courage and just ride the storm. Just ride it out. Don't let yourself get caught up in the chaos. Just mm-hmm. be objective. And he helped me through so much. And it's a powerful spirit guide. And they're with me all the time. The, the mm-hmm. animal guide and the, into each of their adaptations are great teachers. Uh, and if you if you read a little bit, I know Ted Andrews wrote extensively on shamanism, mm-hmm. especially with spirit guides. Their abilities to help us, it's like they don't just teach, they also give you gifts. Oh, which yeah. is incredible. And one of my most frequent totems that visits me is a barred owl, the great barred owl. And I learned that barred owl is the most common totem for psychics, mm-hmm. uh, a spirit guide. And he would he'd come to me, and anytime I know I see him, I know that there's something in the spirit realm that's going to be opening up. I'm going to have a new ability. It's going to be a lot of spirit activity, a lot of psychic activity. And he also taught me uh, to interact, how to really communicate the psychic world to people, which is hard to, for some people that isn't psychic or haven't had a lot of paranormal experiences to understand. And he was helping me with that, how to verbalize it. And then you know, when I started moving that into art, it's even more because – of when I'm when I'm incorporating uh, the images from spirit, and sometimes it's a spirit animal. I usually paint the spirit animal, and mm-hmm. I see them people, and I paint them as well. But he's also helping guiding me how to focus and to see those beings. And there are other beings as well. A fox is another one of my um, spirit guides, and I have um, there was an otter that comes and visits Aww. me as well. <laughs> me about play and, and the fox has a very playful manner mm-hmm. as well but clear audience is the main thing with the fox and they're wonderful i mean they teach you to have fun they teach these have some of a great sense of humor they all have their different personalities like like people do mm-hmm. and it's to interact with them because there isn't any like pretense with them there's nothing that you have to go through to meet them there's nothing ritually you have to do there's nothing like that you they're just there right and oh yes absolutely where where our human interaction is a little bit different you know interaction with human spirits they will sometimes uh, have to use i would say like sometimes they'll use a ritual or they'll have a big introduction about themselves um, so a little bit different than dealing with animal spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I absolutely, um, a few years ago, I had a soul retrieval done. And that's where I met my animal guides. And I really enjoyed that. And it made me, it made me feel very comforted that I wasn't crazy seeing these creatures once in a while. You know what I mean? Right. And, and when I was in my 20s and, you know, not knowing that I would be a psychic artist and I was mm-hmm. just when I was studying to be a graphic artist and going to more of the commercial art route, I had a vision where I was participating in a Native American ceremony 
where it was just usually a ceremony held for men. Uh-huh. And there was one at the head of this lodge that I was in that had a wolf skin on and he was pounding on a drum. And he says, we're doing the ceremony for you. Normally it would just be for men, but because of the nature of the mission that I've been given and that's a high importance, we're doing this for you. So he starts playing the drum and he starts summoning a spirit guide from the light. And this spirit guide is a wolf. Mm-hmm. And had the most amazing, the most powerful experience. He has taught me so much about courage, about going out alone and taking that risk as far as like the lone wolf. Mm-hmm. And also being part of understanding you're part of a spiritual family. And he would bring other wolves around and I would feel so loved. Like I like just wrapped up in love with these spirit animals. It's just incredible. Wow. Now, when you do this, do sometimes animals and people come in together? Have you ever had that happen? Yes, I've had that happen before. As spirit animals and their human spirits come in together. I know one was a spirit cow so this woman was actually wow. had a head with the cow for a spirit guide which had to oh. do with money because <laughs> because um cows were cattle was our first currency mm-hmm. absolutely so they, they do, and so they do help us and there was a woman spirit attached to that cow who was its protector and she was a neolithic woman mm-hmm. and that's that was a very high important job to do was to take care of cattle in the Neolithic era because that was your source right. of survival. If you didn't have milk, if you didn't have meat, you had no way of surviving. And that was also your trade, your means of currency at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, Neolithic peoples, men and women both, to encounter them is extremely powerful mm-hmm. and it was extremely aggressive presence it's like for both men and women she, she always had a knife with her and say she's ready to fight at a drop of the hat because it was just such a violent time you had to be ready to defend yourself against uh, you know people that would want to take your cattle or sure, and, and yeah. take whatever but and, she was protecting the cows so and i came- love cows just just to let everyone know i'm a, a very strict vegetarian so i love cows i love them <laughs> but that and just surprised me <laughs> they're entertaining for sure now she's the uh, cow was saying you know we're, we're a little bit silly at t- we're just a little bit silly cows are a little bit silly we got the little bit of a little sense of fun with them and they love so. to play people don't realize that cows love to play yes and she was telling she says yes i you know she was saying that she's teaching this woman how to become financially independent but you have to play along the way take that time to have a little bit of fun in your life as well absolutely (laughs) (laughs) i've never encountered a cow i would love to as a spirit guide i love cows it's just like totally the sense of humor in that just is awesome (laughs) Yes, it is. And I'm amazed at like, the, the different type of beings, you know, uh, and angels of all kinds and spirits of all kinds. At the end, you do think how wide a range of variety of, of beings that are out there. There are these little small beings. I just call them sprites, but you might want to call them they're 
really small angels. They're only about, I know, two and a half feet tall at the tallest, and they float, they float around people, and they exude a specific ray of light that influences that person's aura and in the direction they should go for their best and highest good. Oh, Depending that's interesting. I've also seen and did a portrait of an angel I saw with a woman I hadn't seen before. And anytime I'm sitting down, like I'm at the, um, uh, you know, any type of uh, show, any type of event, like um, Mystics and Marvels, and I do every year. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll see something different every year that will surprise me. And last time I saw something that surprised me, I saw an angel, but um, it's an angel that's a circular being. It sort of looks like a wheel with eyes in it. You hear about it in the Bible, but this only had one ring of eyes all around, and it was protecting this woman. Mm -hmm. And those are, there are angels that are spread like that in the Bible with eyes and wheels, and they they are outside the, around the throne of God, and they're always, they're watching over us. It's very interesting you know like you don't you don't think of angels as a lot of people think of angels more like the uh, goddess nike the goddess of champions right. wing figure, wing female figure but you understand that there are angels can take the form a lot of them look like flames um some of them have wings some of them don't some have lots of wings some of them are mm -hmm. full of eyes they're all they, they look very different and then if i paint an angel you know exactly like that and, and some people attack me and say that can't be an angel you know that you know <laughs> all riled up and it's like i know the bible is so angel. It's like hang on did you did you read the calling of jeremiah jeremiah saw angels that were literally on fire from the glory of god they were on fire and they were you know these beings <laughs> were angels were fiery um so I don't know. Read your Bible. <laughs> There's examples of fiery angels and there are fiery angels in there. Now, out of curiosity, do you ever, I mean, there are many religions all over the world, as you know, do you see entities or beings from other religions as well with messages? Um, and the Hindu, um, Indra, mm -hmm. um, afraid of God and Hinduism. Um, there was another one from, from Hindu, but also Buddha and more of a, the, um, what they call the Buddha Histavas and the laughing Buddha and those beings, um, also Morgan, right? The Morgan, you oh. see in Celtic mythology, um, the triple fold goddess in Celtic mythology. I've, I've seen that being um and i've seen these other beings that that say that they were at one time worshipped as deities in mm -hmm. ancient uh, celtic history and i think there may be a folklore about them but i don't know if it's still around or it's just been lost to time but these really tall entities they're very tall and skinny they're hooded figures they have kind of long fingers and they would be hanging around the fairy rings. Okay. Uh, these type of entities. So, yes, I've seen those from other religions. I've also met up with some saints as well. Mm -hmm. That would be interesting. Yeah, the saints are amazing. And, you know, St. Paul, 
who's intercedes for me. And St. Francis, he said, he's my intercessor. He's my sponsor in heaven between me and God. So he is basically my advocate before God's throne, praying for my gifts and abilities and and for those to be always blessed and to be always helping people. Now, Angela, when you see other religions and stuff, and you mentioned the fairy rings, the fae are like one of my interests that I'm starting to study. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, since you have seen that, have you seen the fae as well? Have they come forward to you? Oh, the only fae that have come forward to me, and this is, sounds funny. I think <laughs> it's a fae, but it's, it's hilarious to me. A little shadow person that looked like Patrick Starfish from SpongeBob. <laughs> yeah, that is funny. <laughs> and awesome at the same time. <laughs> I was hanging around my apartment, like acting curious. And he, I'd see him, this shadow figure poking around the corner and like poking around my stuff and running across my floor. And it was blacker than black. You can't see through. It's a shadow being. Uh-huh. I looked exactly like a starfish and ran like Patrick Starfish across the board <laughs> outside of the parking lot. It was just hanging around me. That's the closest thing I've seen to anything like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I just got a sense it was it was intelligent, but it was more like animal like as mm-hmm. it's being is whatever it was. And that's the closest thing I've seen to that. Yeah. I, I've heard People, I've interviewed someone about the Fae, and I find them so fascinating. That's why I ask, because I know they they are in those realms of being able to appear at times in spirit form. Another one is, um, has appeared a lot to me was Odin. Oh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah, Odin, it's several times, you know, quite a few times uh, mm-hmm. with Odin. And, uh, and I was shown and, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm Catholic, but yet I've been shown past lives and yet the church says you, there isn't such thing, but I have memories of past life memories of being an Odin worshiper and being a thane, which would have been like a knight. And I, I worshiped Odin. And then also in another lifetime in that same middle age area of being a, a kind of a psychic and seer and, and the Anglo culture where we actually recreated uh, every year the Odin receiving the knowledge of the runes, only they find that you, you can't hang somebody upside down like he did. You you would die if you did that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so what they would do, for those who were, they were psychic, we were supposed to be communicating with the gods. So they would have... Around noontime, we would march, and so we'd march to the sacred tree, and we all had this symbol, this rune symbol that was on our head. We drew in henna, and it was blue, and it had kind of a spiral to it, but it was it was to represent the moment that Odin received the runes, and it was only used for that purpose. Mm-hmm. So once we had the symbol on, and we marched to this tree, and I would be fed a really good meal, and then we'd just take a nap under the tree, and I was supposed to be communicating with the gods in this nap. And, and well, I, I can't ask for a better religion than being fed more and then being allowed to sleep and take an afternoon nap after my you know. <laughs> That must have been a really good lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. And then the one as a thing where I was actually – 
and 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 the thing is, is there's there was enough details about it. It's like I, I was I did research and found that was so much of it that was accurate, because I did live by the code, and the code is still ingrained in me, which is the code that um, it's sort of like it's a it's a code of rules that you live by if you're mm-hmm. in the warrior in the warrior class, and if I was allowed to take somebody's land by force because if you weren't strong enough to defend it, I had a right to take it. Oh. And okay, it, but you can't just go around killing people, you know, randomly. You know, it's just it it was had very strict rules for dealing with people. You show respect to other warriors. You um you treat people with honor and respect, especially women. And I lived in Northumbria. I could tell you where I was. I I lived off of rabbits. I thought unique to me at that time. I thought that people were dying so young in the middle ages because they were weak because they decided to live in houses so i decided i'm not going to live in the house and live outside year round i'm going to survive and live <laughs> off the land i toughened myself up i always had a sword at my side i remember the vikings coming and trying to take my land and they were the danes and they would always attack three and one and mm-hmm. the first time they came i was terrified i was doing like like an 18 or 19 year old kid and i blocked I say I stood up on the rocks. I, I stood up high on the hill and let them run up a hill to me. Like you're gonna, I'm gonna make you run uphill towards me. <laughs> and so they ran uphill and they had these overhand weapons and I blocked them all uh, with one sword strike at an angle and then I c- killed all of them. And they, I, the more I did it, the better a fighter I got, and the better I got at tactics. So good was I at tactics that men would follow me. And more and more men would follow me because they knew nobody would die in battle as long as I was leading them. And at one point, I was so successful. I had so many followers. I decided I'm just going to go home. I'm going to leave Northumbria, which, of course, Northumbria is England, go back to my homeland. I had a castle there, and I had sealed it up, and there was a passageway that only I knew to access. But I knew I had to retake my land. And I had a small group of men that followed me there and I just looked up at the hills to see all these other men coming down the swords and shields to attack and the guy and right next to me the guys next to me and saying there's so many of us are we going is there, I mean I'm, there's so many of them coming to attack are we going to fight I said oh yes we're going to fight and we'll win and each of you will kill three men and we and each of us killed three men and it's like it has so much faith in me that whatever I said, it was like sacred and they would believe it with their whole heart. So they believed if I told them we were going to win, they believed wholeheartedly and we would win. So we did win. Each of us killed three. You know, and I told people we were the better, the better, the more experienced group, even though there was more of them. Um, and then I remember, too, and I'm going to have to do a past life portrait on myself because when I went back to the castle and I went through the a passageway, I saw myself in a mirror for the first time in years, what I looked like, because I hadn't seen a mirror in a long time. Right. I, they didn't have mirrors like we have nowadays back then. Exactly. And that image is ingrained in my mind, what I look like as a man in that time frame. And it's like, I, I got to do a portrait of that because it's so vivid what I looked like um, as an Anglo at that time, a thing. So very interesting. 
Angela, what is the strangest thing that ever appeared to you to do, to draw um, in your art? I, I don't know if there's anything that's particularly the strangest because they're all strange and unique. Besides and the starfish. No, I'm working on one now that is kind of strange that appeared to me when I was six and it was my first human apparition. Uh, my parents and I, we were all at the cemetery near our house because we would walk there on nice summer days. And we heard over the radio the tornado was coming. So we were running to the car because the sky turned turned that weird oh, green yeah. color. And it's, you know, you get that really dark sky, yeah. the sun several light and the wind's picking up. And I felt at that time something had opened up in the realm that I was totally in the other world somehow that that veil opened up. And on the way home where we're in the car, I look out the window and I see in the somebody's yard a casket, open casket with an elderly man with his hands across his chest. And I just had this really assuring feeling from him. And I just got the impression that he was just trying to warn me to get home and it'll be okay. But get home, you, mm. you nearly. And, I, you know, afterwards, you know, the tornado went by us. And afterwards, I thought as a little kid, I mean, who leaves their loved one out oh. with an open casket in somebody's yard? That's just, you just, it's really weird. Mm -hmm. And, so as a little girl, I, you know, there was an internet time. I called around the different newspapers and did a lot of research and learned that the last burial they had in that cemetery was three months prior. So no way there was a funeral right. taking place there. Plus, this is somebody's yard. It's not the cemetery. And I walked over to that man's house. And asked him why he was trimming his bushes if he kept dead bodies in his yard. Oh, my gosh. How old were you again? I was six. <laughs> you like, bet your parents were like, oh, no. <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't have bodies in my yard. Like, well, I can't explain. I, I had to see an apparition or a ghost. It's the only explanation. Explanation. And I'm working on it now. So when you start to see, it's like when I'm looking at it or recalling it and what he looked like, I, I didn't understand why he wasn't afraid. Because this person, this elderly man, you know, who had was sitting in his casket, looked very skeletal to me. Mm -hmm. He had a suit on that was over that was way oversized for him, and it was this bright ultramarine blue that I just don't see in. The, Loose modern clothes for men at this time, but it was kind of long. And I was just doing some research online, like where did the suit come from? Right, it's um from 1960s. You know the leisure suits at that time uh, for men, brightly colored, and they were kind of a little bit long. It, it exactly matches the style that he was um, buried in. But I, I casket, I mean, the way that casket was seated there, I should have only been able to see his feet, but I could see every detail of his face, his arms, and his clothing. And if a person's laying down, you usually can't see that. Yeah. It's really interesting when I talk to people how things appear or choose or people choose to appear in mm -hmm. that state. Because not yes. everybody does it the same way. Yes, 
and they're some of them are different. I've had the same spirit appear to me uh, when they're young, old, um, deceased. They're just trying to give me as much information as they can, right. and so they show themselves differently. And I had one that recently came was a spirit guide for somebody else, and he appeared to me at like like three or four months prior to um, actually doing a painting based on what he was showing me. And I didn't know who he was. He just visited me and left. And I just saw a guy in a top hat and a cape walk into my room and then leave. I was mm-hmm. like, well, who was that? And why were you doing here? <laughs> well, later on, he shows up and he's got the, he's got the top hat and the cape and everything, but he looks really bad. I, I mean, it's, let me see bad. I mean, uh, kind of spooky, uh, white eyes, looks like a corpse, um, not in great shape. And he would get upset when I talk about the spiritless church because I get I just get this. It's like people that have belonged to the spiritless church have a certain um, you just just know that they were part of that or you just feel like they were part of the spiritual church. And he would get mad at me when I mentioned that, like it was a sore spot for him. So I thought, what, what happened here? So I, I start doing the painting and I learned that he was a magician and he was part of the spiritualist church. And there was a woman that he was trying to help. And this would have been around the late 1800s, early 1900s time frame. Mm-hmm. There was a woman who was in an abusive relationship. She was trying to leave her husband and he broke all the spiritualist church rules. Of course, they're very strict about opening portals and what spirits you let in, what's you know, you're talked to, and then you send them back and you close that portal well he opened up a portal and he went into it and was talking to these demonic entities with the idea of driving the man insane so he could be committed to an asylum and that way he would be locked up and away from her and she could get away essentially oh when he he broke all those rules it didn't work out the way that he had hoped it worked Mm -hmm. out that his husband um, basically imprisoned him, tortured him, killed him, dismembered him. Oh. And they never find his entire body. They found most of it, like his upper torso, uh, his arms, legs, somewhere else, and no idea where they went. Um, but he appeared that way to me, and my dreams started to get darker because he was, but he was a really, like a, like a kind person. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Mind. And he would appear in my dreams, but and I would see just an arm or a leg, and it would be decomposed. And he'd reach out for me, but it was like you had this feeling of love behind it. Like I don't mean to scare you, but this is what I look like right now. Mm-hmm. And he said I would help you cross over. So I I got done with the painting and everything, and then I totally forgot because I got so involved in the painting, and there were so many details, and there was actually multiple spirits guiding me through the painting. And there was so much symbolism, so much prophetic symbolism, so much that was about the future in it and a little bit of the present that I totally forgot about crossing them over at one point. Right. I'm in bed and I've, I hadn't even quite fallen asleep yet. And I felt somebody like holding me, like putting their arms around me in a loving way, just, you know, just hugging me. And I'm like, somebody's hugging me in bed. So I, I, just look around my shoulder, just glance to see who this is, and it's the same person. And I just see a torso, just the torso, um, the, the, the those dead eyes, and 
uh, 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 decomposition. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to help cross you now because <laughs> this is not what I want to see in, in bed with me. No. And, and <laughs> so I do, I say a prayer and I help cross him over and he comes back and he, he, after a few days and saying how happy he was, he met the woman that he tried to help. He did not have a romantic relationship with her. He was, she, he was just trying to help get her away from this guy. And mm. you know what? You know, she, she was wonderful. She was happy in heaven and that she had a good life. And, you know, it wasn't in vain that he was, you know, killed in the way that he was. And he's going back to the person to inspire, but he was a magician. And I had asked him, wow, he was visiting me and doing the painting. I said, can you validate your presence that you're really here? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm left-handed. I've always painted the, and with my left hand. And he says, paint with your right. So I started painting with my right hand and I painted with such skills like I've always done it my whole life. Like I've always been right-handed. And when I tried to switch to paint in my left hand, I couldn't paint with my left hand. And his, since he's a magician... Uh, one of the things that he would do is a little card trick. So he's very good with his hands, um, that he, with sleight of hand in particular. Right. And he thanked me and he, he brought this dream to me where I'm out of the body. I'm in a heavenly pace. And he's appearing to me as he looked like in life. He had blonde hair, blue eyes, uh, on the tall side, very broad face. And he was an Englishman. And he had his magician sack and he was in a garden with all these roses around. And he said, look in the sack. So I look in the sack. I mean, there's just leaves in there. I'm like, there's just leaves in the sack. And he says, look again. So I open the sack again and I pull up this giant long stem rose. Very sweet. It was a bright pink rose. Um, Yeah. When, When you communicate with them, do they all want to be crossed over? Do they ask you or do some of them like being here? Most of them want to cross over if they haven't yet. They they ask. They actually specifically look for me for that reason. And the ones that have already crossed over and they're communicating here is because they're they're with their loved ones to be your spirit guide or support for the living person that they have a history or relationship with. And sometimes these are spirits that have already crossed over, but they have some sort of rapport with that person. Maybe it's something they have in common. Maybe it's a common history, but it's something that they can, they want that living person to be supported by and want to help out and want to guide through um, that situation in life or to put them on the right path. So those ones, since they've already crossed over, they're not going to be asked to be crossed over. But the ones that haven't, are always asking me or seeking me out. I know that one investigation I went to was Phillips Folly Mansion, and like the spirits there were like welcoming me with such joy, like, "Hey, she's gonna help cross us over," and you know they're welcoming me. And this one man came out, and he was he was so real to me. I couldn't believe that people couldn't physically see him or hear him. Mm-hmm. And his feet, and he was a slave in the 1800s, and he was the butler there. And he says, welcome. And he welcomed me by name. He says, come on in. And when we were in the basement and they were using the spirit box, I actually recognized his voice. He identified himself by name. And we had like a 10 or 15 minute conversation, intelligent conversation, very clear one. 
and he has recently reached out to me again on another spirit box. He just let me know that he still appreciates and thanks me for helping him cross over because he is what we called was earthbound. He was grounded so much. His feet were like under the ground. Oh, my. So I asked um, what I do when I cross people over when they're like this. I ask for a for a sphere of light, an orb to come in and whatever I tell that orb to do, it has to do. I asked it to go to his feet and lift his feet up out of the ground and to lift him up and lift him, lift him up into heaven. And he said that worked and that crossed him over. And he's very appreciative. But the whole, a lot of times when he was speaking to the spirit box, not only was he giving his name, his history, but he was thanking me repeatedly for helping, for coming to that location and helping him. Do you think they become earthbound? Is it their own? Like you said, his feet was planted. Does that happen because of their own psyche? Because they feel like they're earthbound, that they can't go away? I think it's uh, long-term depression, I think, in particular, could make a spirit earthbound. Depression, guilt, um, feeling in bondage. Mm -hmm. And he was a slave, so that would make sense. Absolutely. And there was a, another spirit I crossed over on that that night before or help crossed over who had a partial responsibility for a fire that started in a basement and killed a few people and injured several others. And he himself burned up in the fire, but he felt some guilt because the way, and this is, and this is, you know, because I have an insurance background, it's like I'm able to piece this together. But he, the way that he was showing me images of the basement, and I could see on there the way that he stored, um, there were some flammable materials plus what we call combustibles, you know, papers and things like that, and um, you know, flammable liquids kind of stored carelessly together, mm -hmm. which, which caused the fire. And so the insurance investigator would determine a cause. They would always do an investigation to see if there's fraud or see if there's negligence or anything like that. When that type of thing happened, the insurance went through this and said, no, there's, we're not covering anything. This was, you know, careless storing of flammables and stuff. You're not allowed to do that. This caused a fire. We're not paying for anything. And, you know, all those people were, you know, people were killed in the fire and including himself. And he felt so guilty about it. And he was stuck there. And he's, and we asked him, and, you know, I asked him and he was talking verbally and clearly through the spirit box. I said, are you still, is your skin still hurt? Do you still feel like you're burning? He says, yes, yes. And it was just all this guilt. I mean, he was right. all of it. And I, I asked him for one of those balls of light to come down from heaven and to take away the pain. I said, would you like me to help see if I can help heal those burns? And, he, and at first it wasn't working because he, the guilt wasn't letting that happen. And I explained to him, you don't have to feel any judgment or guilt. It's time to let this go now. And as we start talking and we're talking more about what happened, he starts to let this go and the light starts to working in him. I see him getting better. I see the skin healing. I see his heart healing. And he was saying how much better he felt. And eventually he did cross over and he, he left us and was you know grateful for that experience. But the right. guilt was back and it was an accident it wasn't something that he did on purpose it was an accident on a fire wow 
You know, and I always wondered about that because when you hear earthbound or a spirit that doesn't want to leave, you know, that makes such sense if they were depressed or if they were enslaved or, you know, if they felt guilt or they were afraid to cross over for being punished. Yes. That's, I run into that a lot. More adults than kids. Uh, adults just, uh, there's something about, I think maybe all culture or human culture that think that you're going to be judged harshly. But if we're having a conversation and I'm offering you and I have the ability to offer you assistance to cross over, you made it. You're already supposed to be over there in heaven. It's just yourself, your own doubts are holding it back. And the best way I handled that with people, with, with adults in particular, is to show them, say, look, this is what it looks like. And then I ask for heaven to be open to show them where they're going. Like for one instance, this woman uh, grew up on a farm. You know, she had developed a fever and died from a fever that had just spread through the town there. But she had she was widowed from it, and she you know she moved in with her brother's family, and they were trying to take care of her. Well, she passed away with the high fever, didn't realize that she had died, but mm-hmm. they you know started talking to her that she had passed, and then when they offered her to help cross over, you know her family came over to try to encourage her. Her brothers, her your nieces and nephews came over, and what she was seeing was a farm. And the firm that she knew. Right. Now, there's nothing like that there. It is just street up, street, street. There's just houses around. There's no farm, no trace of her firm was ever there. But I see the barn and the cows and everything. And so once you, once you go over to the farm and start taking care of the cows, they need to be milked. And then she just walked on over and that's how she crossed over. And it's like, mm-hmm. you this is what they're familiar with. It's something familiar and it's comfortable with them. It's like, wow, let me go over there. And this amazing thing, because I did this remotely, because um, I do remote viewing, and it was on a it was on a Zoom session. We were doing this, so I could see what the investigators were looking at. They had a EMF meter, mm-hmm. and one of the other investigators said, "I see the farm and the cows and everything." He saw it too. We saw the same scene I was seeing. The, the, you know, the farm, the cows, her own her farm that she knew. Right. And at the same time, and he's not psychic, but it, but somehow when you open the gate of heaven, sometimes that opens up the we can see it, and he could see it. So he could see the whole thing, and that was fantastic. He got to see that experience. You know her crossing over. You know, if they grew up in a Victorian town, they'll see a Victorian village for them. Or if they, you know, like to go on vacation, they always want to be on a Hawaiian vacation. Well, then they'll see a Hawaiian beach, you know. It's just, <laughs> they, all they have to do is walk over. They don't realize how easy it is. There's no, you don't have to take a test. You don't have to, you know, go through some sort of screening or none of that. You, or judgment. You just walk, you just walk over. There you are. Now, out of curiosity, like you said, in Catholicism, they they don't talk about reincarnation. Mm-hmm. But I'm a firm believer in reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And do any of these entities ask? Do any of these people that are past that are earthbound or otherwise? Do they ever ask you about that? Oh, well, they do ask. Um, as far as that goes. I mean, some some of these people, 
that have passed have come to me are those that were in my past life that I was associated with them as part of my group in a past life and we're tied together. And so I'm by living my life and doing what I'm doing, I am helping them cross over for what they need to get or uh, what they need to resolve from that life, from the life that we've had together. And there's a couple of spirits that are around me. There's one that, and um, this is a life prior to this one in the 1920s, who was a professor, mm-hmm. a college professor that I had a relationship with and he was married and I should have had a relationship with him. But I got involved in Satanism with him. That was a big, big, big mistake on my part because I suffered terribly um, in that life. I was uh, rich. I had a lot of money. I inherited a lot of money. And I was kind of this heiress. Well, these wealthy families had some sort of um, satanic ring or their own separate satanic religion from the mainstream religion that they followed. Mm-hmm. And it was private. It was secluded. It was secret. And I somehow got involved with that with him. And then I was taken to a compound. And they, they said, you'd be protected in this compound. I went to the secret compound. And the compound sort of has all these fences. It's gated. There's a secret entrance and tunnel. And then I was locked inside a, a building. And I'm like, and, it, and I looked out and I'm like, I'm padlocked inside. I'm a prisoner now. <laughs> I don't want, I'm not to be a prisoner of anybody else's. What are they going to do to me here? Right. And they actually assigned this group, the shady group, assigned somebody to stalk me and keep track of all my movements and everything. Like, a, it was, it was this weird woman that was just, she wore dark makeup and she was really, um, say, not a very good character. I'll put it that way. Wow. And uh, following me around. And then when I got, when I was in the compound there, I actually escaped. There was, I figured out how to get out through the tunnel. I escaped and like, I'm not going back to this group. And when I got home to my beach house, I lived in California at the time. I lived really close to the beach. What year and was this? This would have been the 1920s. So wow. uh, it would have been, I think, about 1929 or very close to that. Mm-hmm. I know that I was the only one in the neighborhood you know, on the beach that had a nice radio because it was radios were expensive and hard to come by. I had a radio and I knew the right, the right brothers had only been made their first flight only 20 years prior in that lifetime. Interesting. I, I remember reading about it and I had red hair and it was kind of, um, kind of was not short, but kind of just below my ears and wavy. Mm-hmm. And I hung out when I had parties and everything, but when I got home in the beach house, this woman that they assigned to me to follow me and track me was already in my house. And I know how she got there because it's locked. Like, how'd you get in here? And then she bludgeoned me to death. Oh, my. She, she bludgeoned me to death and she put my body in the trunk of my car. Now, at the time, a trunk was just like a like a box. It was set on outside of the car. And I had a car like mm-hmm. that. And it, had, it was just strapped on the back. So I was in the trunk of this my remains were and a police officer who kind of knew my routine noticed that my car hadn't been moved for days and he was wondering about it and then they discovered my body wow but that's and then this lifetime because i went through that i went through suffering in this lifetime because i had made that pact in that prior but that pact was broken by god when he got and i died in the past 
And so the person, uh, the professor uh, who I had that relationship with is was around me now. He's, he was saying that um, because of what I'm doing here, that I'm helping his soul out because his soul is kind of in a purgatory state right now. And by doing everything that I'm doing and all the healing that I'm doing, that is helping him as well to be forgiven so that he can leave purgatory and cross over. Wow. Wow. You've, you've seen a lot, Angela. Yeah, I have. And I mean, and it was hard to, I mean, as when I was younger and growing up and yeah. I, I would experience spirits um, as like as flesh and blood people. Mm-hmm. And strongly, and that's one of the reasons I dwelled, you know, realized that I was psychic. Um, but Jesus Himself stepped over and was was helping me. Um, he showed me, he, and one in a dream actually came to me, and I knew He was my Father, and He had a full beard, and He came to me as a biker. He <laughs> um, had love tattooed across all of His knuckles. He had Alpha and Omega tattooed on one shoulder, and he had um, Born to Die, Raised from the Dead on the other shoulder tattooed. And he looked at me in such love, and he said, before you were born, I knew you. And there was just so much love there. And he says, that I've given you a gift. I didn't realize he was talking about my psychic gifts. I have mm-hmm. given you. He says, but only I control it. The demons want to control it, but I control it. It is a gift, and he was telling me how precious this gift is, and it's a very powerful gift that he's given me. And he taught me how to set boundaries um, with spirits, out, and he told me to read the Bible cover to cover, make sure so I understand how the spirit realm works. And he was very closely teaching me, and then also the Holy Mother kept coming to me, and St. Benedict appeared to me, and St. Hmm. Gabriel appeared to me. Interesting. Helping me. Wow. Now, Angela, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you for a reading or for information on what's going on with them? Well, you can go to my Facebook page. My Facebook page is just Angela Boley, Psychic Portrait Artist. And I'll have to spell my last name. I got one of those names that last names that all the letters sound alike. So B as in boy, O as in ocean, L as in Lima, E as in echo, Y as in Yankee. Angela Boley's Psychic Portrait Artist, and my page will come up, and you can just message me or leave a comment on one of my paintings, and then we'll, we'll be in touch. Wonderful. Angela, it's been a pleasure talking with you. You're an amazing lady. Well, thank you very much. You, you are as well. You have a wonderful night, and thank you for coming again on Twilight Tonic. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.